Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. A lot of things to talk about today on the podcast. I'm going to be getting into some of the numbers regarding Zack Snyder's Justice League, some numbers that showcase maybe a little bit of the kind of response that it got during its opening week. I'm also going to be getting into a brand new Netflix film trailer that came out today that kind of surprised me and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to get into, which I talked about a little bit at the top on yesterday's podcast, was the breaking news that came out in regards to the major changes coming from Disney in 2021. And it was kind of left a big catering hole for the 2021 slate of films and streaming and what it means for theatrical exhibition. So just to kind of go over it once again, Black Widow will be moving from May 1st or May 7th rather of 2021 to July 9th of this year. And it'll be both in theaters and on Disney Plus with its premiere access for an additional $30. So basically, it'll be following the same format as Ryan the Last Dragon did a few weeks ago and what it initially set with Mulan last year, in which on top of paying for the now it'll be $7 for Disney Plus, you will have to pay an additional $30 to gain access to Black Widow on Disney Plus. And then Mulan will be doing the exact same thing as well, but it won't be moving its release date. It'll still be coming out on May 28th, both in theaters and on Disney Plus Premiere Access for an additional $30. And then another surprise move that came out is that Pixar's Luca, the follow-up to their grand hit in Pixar's Soul, will be kind of following in that format that they did for the Christmas Day slate. And that'll be debuting on Disney Plus exclusively there, pulling it from its theatrical slate, but instead of going the premiere access route, it'll be on Disney Plus essentially for free if you have a Disney Plus subscriber. So you only have to pay the $7. And once you get Disney Plus, or if you already have Disney Plus, it'll be right there for you to watch on June 18th for no additional cost. And then along with the other moves that came out yesterday on the 20th Century Studio side, Free Guy will be moving to August 13th, going off of its May 21st slot. The Kingsman will be moving from its August date to December 22nd of this year. And then Deepwater will be moving away from its December, November slot, which stars Ben Affleck on it to Armist, which is kind of looked at as a potential awards contender. We'll be moving to January 14th of 2022. And Death on the Nile will be once again moving from its fall summer release date to February 11th, 2022. So the fall following slate of what is still accustomed to right now is the Disney slate will continue on May 28th with Cruella, which again will have the theater and Disney Plus premiere access. Then it'll be July 9th will be Black Widow, which will be the first Marvel film in what will amount to that time period being two years since we got a Marvel film in theaters and because Spider-Man Far From Home came out on July 2nd of 2019. So it will have been really a two full years since we have gotten that. It'll be the first time in the history of the MCU that that has happened in which two years have gone by between two movies. 
the last time that this did happen, the longest gap was around that kind of time period where it was the Incredible Hulk on June of 2008 and then Iron Man 2 in May 2010. And that was really when they were still kind of building up the beginning foundations, the pillars of what we got with the MCU. And now that we're kind of in this full bloom of the MCU, this is kind of because of COVID and because of everything that has happened, it's been a longer stretch of time. And also it was announced that Shang-Chi will be moving to September 3rd instead of July 9th because it had that spot. But now Black Widow is taking that and it'll be the first time the MCU film as of right now will debut on that date and as of right now it is only set for a theatrical a theatrical debut as of right now so that is still a theatrical debut we still are getting eternals in the beginning of november and spider-man no way home is still coming out in december around the christmas time which that could very well change because that is not a part of disney that is a part of sony who handles the distribution the release window for the spider-man films even though marvel studios is a part of the creative process of making those movies so spider-man no way home could potentially be moving but it seems like right now that will be staying so we're gonna get a whole lot of MCU films in the second half of the year as of right now. But again, that could very well change in the next few months if we do get Shang-Chi moving at a certain point in time as well. But it seems like we will be getting Black Widow solidified coming out on July 9th. We're still getting Jungle Cruise, which is going to hit a theatrical release as of right now, exclusively theatrical with Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt on July 30th. We're still getting Free Guy in August, or that will be moving from to August 13th. We're still getting the 20th Century Studios film The Beatles Get Back on August 27th. We're still getting The Last Duel with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and really Scott directing that on October 15th, which is an awards contender. And we're still going to be getting Encanto on November 24th, which is the next Disney animated film. And we're still going to be getting the Guillermo del Toro film Nightmare Alley on December 3rd, which will be a one awards contender, along with another awards contender in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. So those are staying on their theatrical dates as of right now, being exclusively theatrical. And the only three films that will be moving to Disney Plus are Cruella, Black Widow, and Luca, Disney Pixar film. Two of them going to Premiere Access, one of them being basically for free once you do have a subscription to Disney Plus, which at that time period, with the price hike that'll be coming at the end of this month, will be around $7, $7.99 instead of $6.99. So basically it'll be $8 that you're paying for Disney Plus at that time period. So a, a big shocker, big creator that came with this news when it was released. And to me, there's there's a few surprises that come with this. The one that people are going to be talking about, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, is the Black Widow news and the fact that Marvel and, and Disney decided to go in that route. But to me, it's not all that surprising because it seems like if you listen to a lot of comments and quotes that Bob Chapek has been giving over the last really few months, it seems like they were really kind of pulling in that direction of going in a hybrid release format for at least specifically with Black Widow. And the reason for that surprise is because Marvel Studios is a very friendly, theatrically friendly franchise right now where a lot of theaters are really banking 
on the reliability for a Marvel Studios film to at least kind of spark the box office once again and get people back into the theaters. And the thing with this is that you still can get people in the theaters if they feel safe enough to go on July 9th if COVID cases and vaccinations go up and people feel comfortable going back to the theaters and you were allowed to have more capacity in the theaters to see Black Widow, then I think theaters can still very well do great business. But also I think like Disney was saying in, in announcing this these releases that they are catering more towards the consumer. And I think this is just this is this isn't going to be the norm per se with I think a lot of these big blockbuster films like Black Widow or any kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe film or Star Wars film that cater to and really boost the box office for exclusive theatrical releases. So I, I think this is just them saying that this is a film that was supposed to come out at the time that it releases on July 9th. It will have been almost two and a half years since it was originally supposed to, or really a year and a half since it was originally supposed to come out, since it was supposed to come out on May 1st of 2020, that this film does need to to get out there. And I think for a lot of studios, the big thing has become kind of doing backlogs with a lot of their films. And for Marvel Studios, they got a lot on their plate right now. They have about 25 plus productions. If you take into account the Disney Plus shows that they're doing, they have a lot of stuff on their plate. And they have said this year that the strategy that they have, they can get all their films out this year. They'll kind of be back on track and not have to worry about a whole big backlog for their films. So I think they're just trying to push it as much as they possibly can. And this also, I think, is is an example when you look at Black Widow of Disney not trusting, I think, the worldwide box office just yet. Because even though the United States is trending in the right direction, parts of Europe are not really heading in the best direction right now. They could be approaching another wave. The only really major market that has really really kind of gained full strength once again is in China. And you, if you've been following the box office, the international box office, you see that they really are back to the strength that they had before the COVID pandemic. And we're, the United States is trying to get back to that, but the UK, Germany, they're not really there right now. And I think studios see that. And, and when it comes to a film like A Black Widow or something along the lines of maybe a, a Fast 9. The people, they feel like that maybe the box office isn't really going to do all that much. And even though, even if Black Widow can make 400, 500 million dollars, that's a bigger success than I think would be imaginable at this particular time period. So I think for Disney, they want to cater to the fans and cater to the consumers of saying, well, let's try out this format. And I think for... Mulan, it doesn't seem like it maybe worked out. Maybe with Ryan the Last Dragon, they saw better numbers, and now they want to try this experiment with a bona fide blockbuster on their hands. And, and again, I think the fact that it isn't just going to a strict format of premiere access speaks that they still want to put this thing out in theaters and still want to eat their cake and have it at the same exact time, which we'll see if that what kind of success that garners. And maybe by the time July rolls around, people may see this film in theaters and then they could watch it at home for an additional $30 if they like the film that much instead of waiting for the DVD or going out multiple times to the theaters to see that movie. 
So we'll see where it goes with Black Widow, but with Cruella, I think that's a more interesting case as well, where, again, you have a bona fide potential hit in Black Widow that people are looking forward to because it's Marvel and people love the MCU brand. But with something like Cruella, the live action reboots that Disney has had on a lot of their classic animated films or characters have been hit or miss throughout the years. They You have bona fide superstar hits in something like Lion King or Aladdin or, or Beauty and the Beast. And then you have the duds like Dumbo and Alice through the looking glass. And so it's an up and down field for what these films can gain. So maybe... Disney's seeing Cruella and thinking, you know what, if people want to see it in theaters, we can gain success in theaters by having it in Cineplexes, but also if people want to watch it on Disney Plus Premiere, we could we could go that route as well, which I don't know if that's going to work out because I can see people watching Black Widow and paying the $30 for that film, but to watch Cruella, and I think that's going to be predicated on the reviews, if it does really well with critics and people are buzzing about the film, maybe people shove out that kind of money, but who knows if that's going to be the case with, with Cruella. So I think when it comes to the Disney Plus premiere access films it's no surprise i think it again it is i agree with people that say it is in the experimental phase i don't think this is a long-term suggestion i think this is this is just disney knowing that they have to put these films out there but they don't trust the market just yet to fully put it out in theaters and want to give audiences the choice to do that and again maybe by the time the summer season does roll around july rolls around maybe again vaccinations are up and people are out and moving and feel safe about going out again that maybe you get people watching the film in theaters more so than paying online and that could give disney the confidence saying you know what we do feel safe putting shang chi in theaters exclusively or eternals exclusively and all of our other mcu films and other films that they have coming down the pipeline as well but the one that really does surprise me and i think could have benefited as well from a premiere access release but i think they know realize that it's a bigger family market and they must have saw success with soul the surprise to me is Luca and the fact that again with with Disney it is a summer release and in normal circumstances Pixar films usually do extremely well in the summertime just look at what happened with Toy Story 4 and look at what happened with The Incredibles both billion dollar hits at the box office so I think for Disney and Pixar even though this is an original film I think this is definitely money that was lost on them and again I think this is more so the fact that Soul must have worked and there's going to be family that are going to want to watch some content and it's the summertime kids are out of school at that point that i think disney sees that we can put this on and really gain a lot of eyes on disney plus which i think again sucks for pixar because even though they are putting stuff out for disney plus i think for a lot of people with a lot of these first time original films they want this stuff to be shown on the big screen so i think i would have either stuck with the the premiere access tool and maybe see if that worked as well or i would have maybe gone with just keeping it in theaters all the way around because again for something like pixar they're they're predicated i think on the box office and on a lot of these films are predicated on the box office but for pixar it, i think it, it 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 vaults their brand up to a level that other animation studios don't because not a lot of animated films and their studios can say that they churn out billion dollar films every every year 
year or almost every year and make a lot of money at the box office. So Luca to me was the big surprise. And again, I, I, well, I can't see it in theaters now, obviously, but I am looking forward to seeing the film. But I would have really loved to see that type of animation, the culture of Italy, what they were able to do with that film in theaters once again. But alas, that wasn't really what happened with the film. But overall, I'm not really totally surprised by a lot of the movies that happened other than Luca. Luca did surprise me in the fact that it was just a Disney Plus exclusive. But Black Widow doesn't surprise me. It seems like they were heading that way. I wonder, it seems like they were able to convince Kevin Feige of doing it because it seems like he was one of the ones that was holding out of just doing an exclusive theatrical debut. But maybe he and Bob Chapek and and the the board at, at Disney was able to come to an agreement of what they needed to do just with this film. And again, keeping the other films on the Marvel Studios slate too exclusively theatrical at this moment in time and seeing what the response is going to be for Black Widow in the state of where things are in the world when we get to the summertime. So that doesn't surprise me. Cruella doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of people inside and had a lot of sources around the time of the Disney Investor Day meeting were thinking that Cruella would have been announced as a Disney Plus exclusive, but it seems like that at the time wasn't the case. It was still going theatrical. So the fact that it is doing this hybrid, I think isn't surprising whatsoever. And one of the trends that it seems like Disney is going in with a lot of their live action reboots is debuting a lot more of them exclusively for Disney Plus. Peter Pan and Wendy is gonna be exclusive to Disney Plus. The, the, the Pinocchio live action retelling is gonna be on Disney Plus. So I think again, with their live action retellings, some of them are hit and miss and they, I think they realize which ones we can gamble and feel safe enough putting on Disney Plus having that blanket and the ones that they know can probably be sure bona fide hits like a Little Mermaid going to theaters or probably a Lion King 2 knowing the money that it made in 2019. So not that surprising. I think those release dates when it comes to, again, Luca, a little surprised by it being just exclusive, but everything else staying the same. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. The Disney, the the 20th Century Studio films, that were they were going to have to move because especially for a slate like Disney that has so many different studios now, after the tw- after the Fox deal, th- they're going to have to be moving around so many different pieces because once you move one film, you don't want it eating into that other film. You want to make sure that you have enough space on the theatrical slate to put all of your films in that specific area if you want to do it in that specific year so a lot of this isn't really that surprising but still a big bombshell and i think will impact theaters but i think lesser to a degree i think it's more going to be a blowback in terms of theaters opening up now and now they other than Godzilla versus Kong and Mortal Kombat that they'll have in the next few weeks to satisfy them for the springtime, but the beginning of the summer movie season or what would be the summer movie season isn't really going to start now until what used to be in the 80s and 90s, the start of the summer movie season around Memorial Day, which is also really the seasonal start of summer as well, where we'll have A Quiet Place Part 2, we'll have Cruella out, and so I think for, for theaters, they have a little bit of a good stretch right now with some of the Warner Brothers there's films that are coming out, but after that, there's a little bit of a dry spell that's going to happen towards the end of April, beginning of May, that'll pick back up again. Hopefully, if everything goes in the direction that's going in right now, where we get Quiet Place Part 2, we get Fast 9 towards the end of 
towards the end of June. We get In the Heights in the middle of the of June, and we get Top Gun Maverick. We get all these films starting to come out by the the middle point of the summer movie season initially, as it would be, and we get more films coming out in July, like a Jungle Cruise or a Suicide Squad in in August. So it'll be very interesting to see what the rest of the summer movie season is going to shape out to be this time around. So what do you guys think about? the major Disney Plus changes happening to the 2021 slate. Are you surprised by any of it? Which ones are you looking forward to? Will you be paying for Black Widow on Disney Plus Premier Access again? 30 additional dollars, excuse me, on top of what you already be paying for a Disney Plus subscription. Same thing with Corella. Are you going to be watching any of these films on Disney Plus or will you be waiting to the theaters when you feel safe enough to do so? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And now I want to transition over from DC to talk about, or not DC, but transition over from Disney to talk about the DCEU and specifically Zack Snyder's Justice League. And this was the, the most talked about entertainment movie television show of last weekend there was a lot of hype surrounding it people were finally able to see the unfurbished version of justice league that Zack snyder wanted his audience to see four hours and all and a lot of people are wondering now what are the numbers for this what 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 was what did the buzz translate to in terms of numbers and yesterday I did say that sometimes you can't really trust the numbers or the unless it was a big hit, HBO Max, Warner Media, they really won't put anything out until maybe their shareholders meeting. So we won't really know the, the amount of numbers that come out. And even those numbers aren't entirely all that accurate or aren't the up-to-date numbers that I think a lot of people are looking for. And so I think a lot of people are wondering how did this mount up to the premiere of Falcon and Winter Soldier? How did this mount up to Wonder Woman 1984? And does this mean future material moving forward for Snyder in the DC universe, which we talked about yesterday? And I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think these numbers give an indication that even though this was a very much talked about event, people were looking forward to it, that maybe the numbers were good, but maybe not on a fantastic level. And again, these numbers that come in aren't from Nielsen, but are from other metrics that are trying to measure these numbers. And according to Samba TV, which pulls smart, terrestrial smart TVs, which basically if you, if you have a television that's hooked up and, and it's connected to the internet, like Roku, and you only kind of have a lot of the apps like Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, or, or Disney Plus, that is what a lot of these a lot of these polls are gauging right now and looking for the numbers. And right now, according to Samba TV, Zack Snyder's Justice League did draw 1.8 million views over the week that so far that Zack Snyder's Justice League has been out. Now, when you look at those numbers and comparing it to the last DC film to come out and was on HBO Max was Wonder Woman 1984, and that nabbed 2.2 million U.S. household numbers. And by the end of 2020, the film had clocked in around 3 million views in households. So when you compare it to the DC films, it seems like Wonder Woman 1984 during its initial opening run was a bit more popular than Zack Snyder's Justice League was. 
And now, when you look at these numbers, you might initially say, well, Zack Snyder's Justice League didn't do as well. The hype was, wasn't was as big. The numbers don't represent the hype that could certainly be surrounded by Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I say to, to people that are on both sides saying that this is this means that we're going to get more Zack Snyder stuff or we're not going to get any Zack Snyder stuff. This wasn't worth the $70 million that was invested into it. I think it's in, in between that where the people that wanted to see this went out and saw it. And I think the surprise by it was the fact that it was very much universally praised. And I think a lot of people had a much more positive response than we've seen in the past with a lot of Zack Snyder's DC films beforehand. So I think definitely the the social media buzz was there for it. And I think for people that wanted to check this film out or divided it up into the six parts, seven parts that it is in, that people were able to watch it. And if you want to look on the positive side of things for Zack Snyder's Justice League, in the same breath, even though it was by a few hundred thousand views, according to Samba TV, Zack Snyder's Justice League did beat out the premiere episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which clocked in at 1.7 million views in households. So again, when you talk about the the comparison between Zack Snyder's Justice League and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think you're looking at a, a reasonable look at and also I think it's a credit to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the fact that for a a movie that has some of the biggest superheroes in comic book history, some of the more B-level, C-level stars in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and in Marvel Comics were able to keep up with a big, high-profile movie like Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I think it's a credit to both of them and also the fact that I think for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, again, it's only the premiere episode of a six-part Serious, Whereas with Zack Snyder's Justice League, you're getting a beginning and end to a story that you can watch in one setting, multiple settings, whereas you kind of have to wait week to week with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I think those numbers will go up as time goes on for that series. But for Zack Snyder's Justice League, again, I think it is... It showcases that the hype was there for it, but it wasn't enough to surpass the hype that was there for Wonder Woman 1984, which, again, is coming off a hugely successful, influential film from 2017 in the first film, and there was a lot of hype surrounding that movie, but also at the same time, when you look at Zack Snyder's Justice League, there was a lot of baggage with that film. It seems like not a lot of people before watching it were into it and didn't really have a lot of interest in watching it or or looking forward to it, so there was some hype around the people that really were clamoring for it but in terms of universal global audience hype it might not have been there but the reviews came out people might have checked it out and I think these numbers represent that so I think again if people were looking for this to be a smash runaway hit it doesn't seem like according to these numbers it was that however it wasn't a failure either as it was better than the first part of a six-part series in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it gained a lot of buzz throughout the weekend and I think these numbers showcase that as well now again this is taking from one poll, one metric over a million others that hopefully we are able to see those numbers come out in the foreseeable future. And I think unlike Netflix's system where they attract views, this one takes five minutes or over to account for a view, not just two minutes. So 
again, I still don't like those metrics where it has to be at least for me like an hour, hour and a half, two hours into a film or television show before you can say that it was a hit or not or it counts as a view because if you watch five minutes of something or even two minutes you could be really kind of watching the opening sequence and for Zack Snyder's Justice League you're really just watching the opening sequence take place the prologue you're not really getting into any of the story or any of the interactions with the new characters so if you're only maybe watching 15 minutes and you turn it off that's still going to count as a view so again I still wish that we could get more metrics with this and I would take some of this with a grain of salt, but at least we have some number, some metric for how Zack Snyder's Justice League did over the weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next time we heard anything was at the next quarterly earnings report shareholders meeting for Warner Media, where they will, if Zack Snyder's Justice League did well, then they'll put out those numbers and say, this is how the, the film did. This is how it performed. It performed around our expectations, above our expectations. So that'll be the next time I think we'll hear anything about the numbers for this film. And again, I think it's right in the middle, right where it, it was, I think, always going to be where it didn't blow everybody's expectations in terms of the numbers, but it wasn't worse than I think a lot of people were anticipating it to be in terms of the overall reception for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So what do you guys think about Zack Snyder's Justice League and the numbers surrounding the film? Again, according to this metric system, which again, you can take some of it maybe with some legitimacy, but some of it maybe you can take with a grain of salt. There's a lot of different narratives that can be pulled away from these numbers. Let me know what you think about them down below and leave your thoughts. And moving on to some of the last few items on the podcast podcast today. The next thing I want to talk about is a trailer for a brand new Netflix film that's coming out on April 22nd. And a few days ago, they debuted the first photos of the film. And I was interested in it, but I didn't really know what to expect. And this first trailer really surprised me. And it's the first trailer for the Netflix film Stowaway, which is directed by Joe Pena. And it has a really good cast starring Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim from Hawaii Five-0 and Lost, Shamara Anderson, and Tony Collette, who is a tremendous actress. And the story behind this film is it's about the crew of a spaceship, potentially one in a Mars cycler orbit, headed to Mars to discover an accidental stowaway, stowaway shortly after taking off for the planet. Too far away from Earth to turn back, and with resources quickly dwindling, the ship's medical research emerges as the only dissenting voice against the group consensus that has already decided in favor of a grim outcome. So it sounds like, to me, like a mixture of gravity meets The Martian meets Apollo 13 in a way and I really like what I saw from this film to kind of see Anna Kendrick in more of a dramatic role was really interesting the visuals look amazing and the story definitely seems very intimate and even though it's taking place in space it's a sci-fi film when you have a lot of these films that are very intimate in these big settings I always appreciate people that are able to kind of pull that off and you can definitely feel the tension within the group but you feel the camaraderie and the chemistry between all of them I believe them as a crew trying to work together for the survival of all of them, but the survival of one another as well. So I'm very much looking forward to this film and more so than I have heard about it just a few days ago. So Stowaway definitely seems like an interesting film to check out. Again, it's going to be on Netflix, so you won't have to go to the theaters. It'll be on a streaming service. And Netflix is definitely investing in a lot of these sci-fi films and following up from Stowaway with The Midnight Sky, which was directed by George Clooney. That was an amazing film visually. 
visually. It had tremendous effects, even though I had some problems with the film overall. And I think this film definitely continues that intimacy that were that is expressed in a lot of other films, such as Gravity or even something like The Martian. Even though that is a big, expansive film, it definitely feels intimate in the story that it's telling. And I think the same thing could be said with a film like this as well. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Love the cast. Love the the the, the special effects. the The story seems very interesting. I was pulled into it by this trailer. So definitely chalking this one up in the intriguing session for what I'm looking forward to in the next few months. What do you guys think about the trailer for Stowaway? Did you check it out yet? Did you not? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And the final thing that I'm going to be talking about on the Sam Bissell podcast today is moving back over to the DC Universe real quick and talking about a really nice casting move and a little bit of a surprise casting movie if you think about it. And it was announced, according to Hollywood Reporter and Deadline, that Helen Mirren will be joining the cast of Shazam Fury of the Gods. She is set to play one of the main villains in Hespera, who is apparently the daughter of Atlas, according to the character description of who Helen Mirren will be playing. And according to The Hollywood Reporter, sources are telling them that Helen Mirren and Rachel Zegler, who was casted a few weeks ago, who will be in her first major role as Maria in West Side Story, will be playing sisters who both may or may not be of ill intent. So... To get Ellen, Helen Mirren on this is incredible. David F. F. Sandberg will be returning to the director's chair once again after directing the first Shazam film to success. Zachary Levi will be coming back as well. And uh, Asher Angel, who played Billy Bats and the Kid, will be coming back. So everyone who seemed to have a hand in the success of that first film will be coming to play in this one. And for Helen Mirren, I'm really excited to see her in a superhero role because I think what's been amazing over the last few years, both DC, Marvel, even in, in Fox in some ways when they still had the X-Men films, they've been drawing in a lot of prestigious actors throughout the course of their histories. I mean, when you look at early 2000s, mid 2000s, even though you had some good actors, I mean, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen playing Professor X and Magneto in those X-Men films of the old ages of the superhero genre, what was just absolutely incredible. But over the years, when you get people like Michael Douglas, who you would never thought of would have been a part of a comic book film ever coming in to play Hank Pym in the Ant-Man films or Joaquin Phoenix coming in to play Joker in the Joker film two years ago or getting somebody like a Cate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok before the MCU before really the mid 2000s you would never have thought of these people to really prestigious academy driven award winning actors and actresses being a part of these big blockbuster films it just you wouldn't have thought about it but I think a lot of actors actresses see a lot of great stories being developed with these films and Shazam had an incredible story that was very akin to the likes of big and also about family and growing up and and learning to live with other people and it was just really a fun entertaining ride at the same exact time and I think Helen Mirren sees that and for her I think she's at the point of her career where you know she's done everything you could possibly do as an actress and as a performer in doing 
all different kinds of films, but I think she wants to kind of experience the adrenaline side of it and do a lot of these action films. She did films like the the, the two red films with Bruce Willis and John Malkovich, but going into the Fast and Furious franchise, and she's going to appear in the new one in June, and then to go into something like the, the DCEU is exciting, and to play the villain of all things is going to be really, really cool to see. And another thing that really kind of stood out to me was the fact that Again, going back to Rachel Zegler, who I'm really excited to see as Maria. It seems like there's a lot of uh, accolades and a lot of praise surrounding this young woman, who, again, I'm going to always root for, especially being from New Jersey. So to kind of see her kind of shoot out of the gate is, is exciting. But for her to really kind of start out her career, both working for arguably the greatest director of all time in Steven Spielberg in a prestigious role in a in a prestigious title in West Side Story, and then getting to work on a DCEU film on top of it working probably alongside if the reports are to believe right alongside Helen Mirren I mean for for a young performer you couldn't get it better than that so I'm excited to see the 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 chemistry between those two I'm excited to see the chemistry between Helen Mirren and Zachary Levi and to see the rest of the cast come back and again getting David F. Samber back who knows the tone of this film and knows what audiences want to see and to build upon that but also keep a make a really good story happen as well and build on the action and the the humor and the character development as well I think this is shaping up to be a really interesting film as well and also you can't forget in the cast it was announced at DC Fandom last year was Sinbad coming on to do this film so there's a lot to really look forward to i'm very much excited about the second shazam film and where they're going with this film it's still not set to premiere until two years from now june 2nd of 2023 so still a long ways to go but it sounds like production is going to be ramping up in the next few months they're in the final stages of pre-production so it seems this is a legit thing and, and, and i think people are very much going to be looking forward to this film it was one i think one of the soon to be main cornerstones of the of the of the direction that DC changed to be in and I think the tone and the family-oriented nature of Shazam is exactly what DC wants their films for the most part to be moving forward and having that artistic creation of making something new and different from what everything else they have done throughout the last few years. So I'm really excited to see the further evolution of the Shazam franchise with Shazam Fury of the Gods and especially the fact that Helen Mirren is coming in and channeling her evil side and playing a main villain in a, in a comic book movie is going to be great to see the Academy Award winning actress take part in this film. What do you guys think about the fact that Helen Mirren is coming in to join Shazam Fury of the Gods? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the San Pascal Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Biggest Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows that are on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. 
also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, guys, you can also check me out on my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. And I will also have my official spoiler review for Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, tomorrow. I was going to put it out today, but I wanted to kind of give people, it'll be a full week when it comes out tomorrow. So people would have had that seven-day span to watch the film, marinate on it, if they had to catch up on certain parts or not. It is as it is labeled to be an epic. So on tomorrow, be on the lookout for my spoiler review for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So until tomorrow, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. And until then, keep on screening.